Hey everybody, welcome to the Rack Fishing Association podcast. Today we got Gene. Gene is a United States Air Force veteran, 23 years of service, military police, um, does a lot of work for the community, um, has a chapter of the Heroes on the Water here um, in the Sarasota, I believe, or not Sarasota, but the uh, Space Coast, um, and does a lot of good for the community, a lot of a lot of, a lot of stuff he does, super busy man. Uh, we're going to get to chat with him and get into it. And uh, stay tuned for an awesome, awesome conversation. Hey, uh, hey, Gene, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, man. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, when you ask me, I'm like, hey, you know, I haven't done this in a while, so um, I, I really enjoy the opportunity. Uh, I really love talking about my family, uh, my military family, and the things that I do. Uh, for yeah. The- um, speaking of, uh, how about just go ahead and tell everybody about yourself and what you do and uh, who you are. Yeah. Um, so. I'm currently a BOD employee. Um, I retired from the Air Force a little over 10 years ago. Um, I'm originally from Virginia. Um, I'm married to my best friend, uh, the lady who uh, kind of saved my life uh, when I was in some really dark times in my after my military career. Um, but uh, overall, yeah, she's been a great person, great, great commandant, you know, someone I can bounce stuff off of. And tell me I'm full of shit when I'm full of shit, you know? Um, <laughs> oh yeah. He doesn't pull any punches. Um, we got two beautiful kids. Uh, my son's 16. My daughter is uh, 13. Um, they were both pretty much voluntold to go do things with me. Um, whenever I'm out doing community work with the programs I'm, I'm with. Um, but my son is now in my, both my kids have really found that community is, is what we really need to be taking care of. Um, I buy local, I shop local, I, I do whatever I can local. Uh, when it comes to that. Um, but um, yeah, so I, I served uh, 23 years, nine months, 16 days in the U.S. Air Force. I hated leaving um, because it was my family for so long. You know, it was almost, it was actually longer than the time I'd actually been family with my family, you know, really. And you get really close to people and I still have those connections to this day. And you were, uh, uh, were you enlisted or officer? I was enlisted. I retired as a master. Um the Air Force unfortunately changed their higher tenure from 26 years to 24 years, so I was kind of forced out. And I was at a, I was doing an air advising mission up in uh, New Jersey, and I did a lot of operations over in a- Africa to try to help them with their mobility systems, and really super enjoyed it. Uh, but uh, you know, time time came and had to pull the chalks. And do you think your son is gonna? He looks like he's following your role, right? Like uh, he's in the Civil Air Patrol. Does he have any intentions on uh, joining the Air Force? Um, that's actually his last choice right now. My, my father is a U.S. Marine. Uh, he was in Vietnam that, uh, he unfortunately passed away in September. And one of the coolest things is to do his junior ROTC program. It's army ROTC program. Nice. The Air Force. Um, so he's doing both, you know, he's filling both the worlds, you know? And, uh, of course, you know, we got to go to my father's funeral, um, and did honors and my son got to wear his junior ROTC uniform. And I got to wear my Air Force uniform for the first time in 10 years uh, during a ceremony that uh, kind of rocked my world. My dad was a, you know, he, he was a leader in, in his family. But the thing was, is you know, we were really disconnected. Um, and But I'll tell you a little bit more about him a little bit later. Um, but it, nonetheless, I mean, it, it got us really thinking about family. And, and, you know, I put myself back in the Civil Air Patrol and I actually got my Master Sergeant Stripes recently. Uh, so I'm a master sergeant in Civil Air Patrol and, and bringing enlisted corps uh, mindset to help the cadets who may go over officer enlisted. It doesn't matter. 
my son's about to put lieutenant on. He just did his last test last night and passed. So, you know, he, he's he's an honor guard guy. Uh, he's doing a lot of that stuff. And I really I'm living vicariously through him uh, because a lot of stuff that he's been able to do. I never got an opportunity to do as a youth, let alone in the military. So, um, yeah, I think he's going to do it. But he really wants to go to Marine Corps. Uh, recently, he did a expo uh, for colleges and um, he talked to the, uh, the Naval Academy. So, oh, very cool. Yeah, I think the uh, coolest thing ever, man, is I live in, uh, well, I don't live, but I work at Colorado Springs at Fort, Car- Fort Carson, Fourth ID. And um, the the uh, Air Force Academy is right down the road. Uh, well, not right down the road. It's like a 20 minute drive, but you always see the jets going over Fort Carson. And sure. um, those are like the coolest thing ever. You know, to, I'm a part of an Apache attack unit, and the, the Apaches are really cool. I talked about that with Dennis. Um, yeah. And, you know, and seeing how precise the Apaches are. Um, but when you have a, you know, uh, a Thunderbird just flying right over you, it doesn't get much more American than that. Um, and, uh, you know, I've seen uh, some A-10s fly by. They were they were passing through doing a, a fuel a fuel, a fuel point. And um, those A-10 Warhawks, dude, are just something else. Um, you know, when you see one of those, you're about to die. <laughs> well, at least somebody's about to die. Um, <laughs> somebody's about to die. <laughs> I would tell you that's probably the one aircraft that they don't need to be uh, letting go because the Marines and the Army and they're in the in the in the trenches. They're like, we need that guy. We need that. We need aircraft <laughs> yeah. right yeah. now. Um, and the Marines, and the Marines did away with the tanks. Like they don't do tanks anymore. Yeah. Um, no, but I got a couple Marine buddies, and they were part of the. One of them was a sapper during. Uh, Battle of Fallujah too. Uh, Jake Edwards, shout out to you, man. Um, but uh, he he and I really bonded really well, and he told me some stuff that they were doing. They're like, dude, A10, come in, do this business, and, and really, really did their job. Um, we're not all chair force, by the way. So some people do sit in chairs in the airplanes. Okay, what do you call them that? But um, me, I was out walking around, guarding planes, taking care of my troops. Um, that's why I probably missed the most. But uh, yeah, we have uh, right here. We have uh, helicopters. We have uh, we have uh, we have uh, Blackhawks that are rescue and C-130 rescues. And then because we're Cape Canaveral's right here, and a lot of interesting um, other programs that are going on, so we get to see some really cool aircraft come through here uh, quite often. Uh, then we have this, some other aircraft that are on the base, other different types of helicopters, and it's it's super cool. Um, I like to say that every branch of the military has a sound of freedom. Usually it's a jet propelled type uh, product. Um, but um, yeah, I, I tell you the, probably the coolest aircraft they ever got to see was Marine Corps Harriers. Oh yeah. In the location. And to, to talk with those, those guys and, and kind of hear what they were going through. You kind of like, man, you guys are living it. You guys are the reason why we're 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 safe. So, you know, I are give you, up. Are you going to be at the? Are you going to be at the uh, McDill Air Force Show? Unfortunately, no. I think we got some some other things going on. But uh, I heard you talking with the Graves, and I was like, man, I would love to get out there. Um, Sun and Fun's coming up too, and we're just on the other side of the state, so it's kind of a little bit of a challenge for us sometimes. Um, and uh, that one I heard is probably. It probably the second best, and that's only because uh, the Blue Angels, of course, out, out in uh, Pensacola. Um, so they put on a show almost every freaking day, every other day up there. Oh, yeah. so, um, but that one sounds like it's going to be pretty awesome. 
Yeah, I uh, reached out to the lady today. She said she would uh, give me an email back. Hopefully, we can get a um, a booth there for rack fishing. But other than rack fishing, let's talk about what you do. Um, not many people know. Um, a lot of people know about Heroes on the Water in Tampa. I think that their chapter is like getting back into the groove, if not. Um, but you actively run the um, Space Coast, right? The the chapter over in the, the I guess, like what, the east side of uh, Florida? Yeah. Yeah, we're in Melbourne. Uh, I say Melbourne, people are like, where's that at? Uh, you know yeah, what Cocoa right. Beach is? And they're like, yeah. yeah. You know what <laughs> Yeah. Well, we're bigger than those two areas. So uh, Melbourne is a, is a pretty beautiful area. Uh, we don't have the traffic like you guys do in Tampa. Um, we do have 95 splitting us down the middle. But, you know, for the most part, it's, it's a beautiful area here. we got the eastern, uh, eastern part of the United States. We have the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, we have a tributary here. Your tributaries are probably a lot cleaner than ours. Uh, we have a lot of standstill water. Um, so it's, it's kind of a little hard with the, you know, like Indian Banana River have been attacked over the last 15 years. Oh, yeah. Um, we do a lot of stuff ourselves by promoting a nonprofit organization that takes veterans and first responders kayak fishing for free with the thought that the therapeutic programs give them an opportunity to, to do different things, to get out and see some things. I heard, uh, I heard Graves talk about it too, you know, with his dog and, and, and getting out and being able to get on the water. Um, for me, I got involved in 2013, right after I left the military. And uh, again, I, my wife, Loretta, she, she's amazing. She comes to me one day and she goes, Hey, what are you going to do this week? And I was like, eh, I'll probably hang out with you guys. And she gives me this, sticky and on it was an address to um the coast guard auxiliary at sandy hook in new jersey i was like man i've never been out there what, what am i gonna do she says whatever you do just dress up like you're gonna go fishing i'm like okay <laughs> so i dressed up i went out there uh, i couldn't find the place it was on this old army nike uh missile base from during the cold war and, and post world war ii and um i the, the thing that kind of really got me going that morning is like, this is going to be a great day. There was a gentleman standing next to the water playing bagpipes and he oh, was playing Amazing yeah. Grace. And, uh, you know, besides Taps, Amazing Grace is one of those songs that really gets a lot of us in the military because we know what the meaning behind it is. We, we understand when it's played. We know what it's for. And so that yeah. morning, and I'm Irish English, so... You know, we got a lot of bagpipes, you know, in, in our culture. And so I heard that and I was like, and we, we, you know, first fire departments and police departments and all, they all have that bagpipes. It was just amazing. I had nothing to do with what I was going to be doing for that day. But <laughs> I, I looked up and I said, you know what, God, you're giving me a message today. I didn't know what the message was, but I knew that something amazing was going to happen. Um, so I finally found some guys with some kayaks driving by and, I said, well, I'll follow them. I, I'm assuming this is probably what my wife's got planned for me. And so I get there and I get out of my truck and, you know, I'm not a shy person most of the time. Most people know that I'll, I'll just, I'll talk to my kid, my 16 year old kid will talk to anybody that has a Vietnam veteran or veteran type of head on. He'll go to him immediately and talk to him. For me, it's like that day, that day was kind of like, whoa, you know, I was kind of taken aback, but someone came up and, and shook my hand and said, Hey, what are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Hey, my name's Gene. And, and they welcomed me to the group. And I said, I have no clue what I'm doing today. My wife just told me to show up like I'm going fishing. And they were like, Oh, we're going to go kayak fishing today. 
And I look at the water and I'm like, I've never done this before. I said, you know, what are some of the things I need to worry about? Oh, don't worry about that. We'll, we'll get you taken care of. <laughs> and um, so they, they opened it up. They told me what we we're going to do. They, they fed us that day. They put us on a kayak. I didn't bring nothing with me other than uh, I don't even think I brought even a bottle of water that day. They had everything set up. And um, that's kind of where I mirror a lot of the stuff that I'm doing here in Melbourne as much as I possibly can, because that was a foundation of how it got me started. But was, uh, that with, was that with Heroes on the Water 2 in New Jersey? Yes, absolutely. That's okay. how I started with this whole group. This whole thing was through, I, I maybe a year before I was going to Africa and I pulled up a Reader's Digest and inside the magazine was this Heroes on the Water advertisement. I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. Never thinking I'd be involved. And um, this day, you know, I get out there, I go with this Marine, Larry Schuster. Um, he took me out. He was my guide for the day. Uh, almost got shot by the army guys over at Earl because I went too far and went into do not enter here as long. We didn't see a sign. And uh, yeah. but they come over to the loudspeaker and said, "You need to turn around." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> I turned this thing yeah. around. And it was yeah. a pedal craft. Had no clue what I was doing, and uh, didn't catch a fish in the morning. Come back in. The Coast Guard Auxiliary, the galley took care of us. They, they gave us all kinds of great food. Uh, we go back out there and they do a drawing and end up winning a $350, which I still have to this day, a $350 uh, rig up for uh, fluking. And uh, went back out that day, caught a couple fish. And I said, hey, we'd love to see you come back out again. Um, Matt Williams and, and John Muller were the two primary conduits for the whole group. Um, they're they're still actively working. Matter of fact, Matt just came back after six years of being away uh, to help with the Heroes on Water in New Jersey again. But that opened up the door, and I, I was not a saltwater guy. I was a freshwater guy. I loved bass fishing. Um, went up to Dingman's Ferry, my first salt, my first freshwater event with them, and oh my god, it was so amazing. Did this float down the river? I floated in the river in Shenandoah River in uh, Northern Virginia a couple times in a tube an air tube or whatever, but this was like super amazing. Got to see bald eagles. Uh, I think we saw a black bear that day, you know, just, it was beautiful. Just being on the water and you didn't even have to fish. You just were sitting in this kayak and just floating and just, you know, um, we have a gentleman, uh, Bob, he worked, or Bill, he worked with uh, Heroes in the Water in San Antonio. He said, uh, there's a video. If you go to our website, uh, heroesinthewater.org, and you'll see it. And uh, Bill was a former law enforcement officer in San Antonio. And he says, when I'm on the water, all the crap in my life, it goes away. Um, and I, I would 100% say that's true. Uh, until you become a chapter coordinator and it's and it becomes <laughs> yeah, a whole different yeah. story. You know that by fact, you know, just trying to get people to show up sometimes. And it's, it's a challenge. Uh, but at the end of the day, I just look at it this way. If I'm helping one, I'm, I'm, I'm helping somebody. Um, I also was going to college shortly after I started with Hal. I went to college uh, full-time uh, and I was doing a full-time job and I had an opportunity to do some really cool stuff when I went back to school and it was like really targeted veterans programs and whether it's aquatics or whether it was, you know, you see these Paralympians who are just freaking amazing people and they're doing just great things. And, you know, many of them are veterans who are missing legs or, or arms or, you know, and it's just amazing. And I said, well, you know what? I want to keep doing something like this. And it, it sparked a fire in me. 
um, and I would say this, and the reason why is because I got to see some really cool things that we as veterans can utilize cognitively, physically, mentally, emotionally. We can do to extrapolate those things that we, we've been holding compartmentalized for so long, and you, it just almost melts away. Just and that's, butter. that's the best part, man. It's, I tell people all the time. And I'm sure you you deal with this all the time as you have. And, and it's what I, okay, so I'll be honest. Like I also hate running a nonprofit sometimes um, because <laughs> I can't, I can't not, like, I can't serve. Like, you know what I mean? Like I can't take care of, you know, I get so many people who want to get out and I'm just like, you know, I was talking about this yesterday when I, I paid for the guy to go out on a uh, fishing charter. Right. Um, yeah. If I can't, if I can't get you out, like I'm going to figure out how to get you out. And I have so many people, I have four people sign up today you know, to go out kayak fishing. Um, and we don't have that many kayaks, but you know, in, in, the, in the end of the day, it's like, you know, I wish I could run this full time, but I'm active duty army. I, you know, I just got a brand new baby and, you know, I try to, like you said, uh, compartmentalize everything. And at the end of the day, it's like, there's so many people who need help. And then, you know, and, and the fact about it is kayak fishing, man, like you, you mentioned, you know, going out there that whole day and just being welcomed by, you know, the people who greeted you and, you know, the whole thing about the food, you know, everything, you want something, uh, everything was provided for you. You didn't even have the water. Like, you know, we do the same thing too. And it's just, man, it's awesome. You know, seeing these people like yourself. So, so many years ago, get hooked. I had a dude the other day. He was like, Hey man, uh, you know, I want to, he came out with us, uh, back in our December outing and, um, caught his first redfish, never kayaked before and never caught a fish before right yeah and um i was sitting there with him and uh me it was me and todd roman and uh todd roman was on the other side of the mangroves and uh i told him i said hey you know i used to come to this spot <laughs> i haven't been to this spot in like eight years right um but i knew there was fish here because uh shout out to captain uh mike goodwine he he always goes to this spot um, he, you know, I always used to see him posted up here on his boat in the little cockroach bay fishing this, uh, this little cut. And, um, so I'm sitting there and I'm like, Hey, you know what? We're going to, you know, sit about like eight feet from here. We're going to cast into this cut. And there's going to be redfish on the, uh, incoming tide. They're going to be sitting here waiting for bait to come through this mangrove. Right. And sure enough, dude, like, uh, threw a shrimp out and just next thing you know, just a, a redfish oh. nailed it, dude, like just oh. annihilated it. And he, wasn't on, you know, didn't have like full grip of the rod. It was like the whole emotion of like, holy shit, <laughs> you know, freaking yeah. out. Right. And I'm like, Hey man, like this is it. This is your moment. Right. And, uh, you know, so we, we fought the redfish and dude, I was ecstatic. Uh, Todd has a video out there. He recorded the whole thing and ended up being like a 20, I think it's like a 22, 23 inch redfish, but wow. it was beautiful, dude. And, you know, and it's one of those things where, um, he enjoyed it so much. He, he went out and, uh, you know, is, is looking for, or getting a kayak. Um, and there's so many other people who get out with us who, you know, they, they absolutely love it and they want to go ahead and get a kayak. Um, so it's, it's cool for people like you and you and me who, you know, inspire to, to help people, man. And to see, you know, the transform, the transformation of, of the people that we, that we lend a hand to and that we help, um, really, uh, latch onto this, you know what I mean? And they want to, they always want to do it and they go out and buy their own kayaks and they're always getting out. And it's not only introducing people to a sport, but it's introducing, um, healing, yeah, absolutely. you know, and, uh, there's a lot of issues that I go through, you know, every day. And, um, it's tough, man. You know, this it's tough being, 
Uh, I haven't been on a deployment yet. You know, I was supposed to go to uh, Syria, but I broke my ankle and uh, oh. had to get um, a debris removal done for my ankle. So I ended up being on rear D. Um, but, you know, not being able to go, not being able to be there for my guys, you know, garrison life is, is tough sometimes, man. It's just like the the constant, uh, the momentum of, uh, you know, always having to do something, training plans, uh, being super busy. If you're not busy, find something to do. Being yeah. told no all the time, you know, stupid details in the army, right? Like it all adds up and um, mental health is a really, really big thing. Um, so I always encourage people to find an outlet, you know, and, and I don't think, I think kayak fishing is probably one of the best outlets you can do, you know, and have, honestly, it's one of those things that's very, very, very therapeutical, you know, and it, it, it is, it has helped a lot of people. Well, and, and, you know, I think Graves mentioned it or you did the other day. And when, when you talked about, um, not everybody that comes to our events are veterans. Um, right. Not all of them are first responders. I uh, would say a majority of our folks that help out are volunteers, just trying to find some way to help the people that support our nation, that protect our nation. I think that's that's totally amazing. Um, I think also that they're trying to do, they're trying to be part of something that's bigger than themselves. And that's that's kind of why I kind of went the next step. Um, you know, you mentioned something about just going out and getting a kayak. I mean, I mean, I was with the group for less than a year. I, you know, I've battled with my VA stuff. I, I heard you talk about the VA the last time. It's like, you know, a lot of times it's on us though, too. For me, I drug my feet. I kept dragging my feet, drug my feet. I had a couple guys say, you know what, you know, guys from the Marine Corps, Army, Air Force guys that I work with in the, in the Air Force Security Forces, they were like kicking me in the ass. They're like, dude, you need to go get this taken care of. You know, I finally, finally went and did it. You know, I got 90%. I was like, hey, man, I'm happy. They're like, no, man, you need to go for 100. Yeah, right. I didn't know what I didn't know, you know. No one really, you know, they by law, they have you talk about stuff when you're getting ready to get kicked out of the military and stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, um, I was just trying to do what I could. And, uh, you know, I went and got my disability rating. Finally, I got back paid and got a nice check. And I said, you know what? My wife says, what do you want to do? I says, she, I said, I want to buy a truck or I want to buy a kayak. You know, truck in the state of New Jersey, brand new, you know, talking $40,000, $50,000, uh, kayak. Uh, what yeah. the you know, <laughs> I didn't go big time like a pro angler or anything like that. I went to a local dealer. Actually, the guy, his name is Chris Parsons. He's out of Cape May. Uh, he ran the kayak fishing store for many, many years. I uh, went to him. I said, Chris, you know me. You know what we, you know where we fish. Um, hook me up. Tell me what you got. Um, I went with a native watercraft, which is all American made. Um, and oh, yeah. um, he hooked me up, got me a really great deal. Um, I just sold that kayak after seven years, but because it was getting a little heavy for me, I have, uh, I have spinal issues, both in my hips and my neck. Um, my, my, my hip is pretty much, I need to have surgery on it, but I've just been putting it off. Um, and it's like, I just got, I just got to get out. And it, it really, what it did it didn't get me mentally, physically. It got me physically out and doing stuff. It got me feeling like I was closer to 25, you know, um, mentally and physically. I was able to get out and do some really cool stuff. I caught some beautiful and awesome fish in the state of New Jersey. Um, but as I mentioned to you earlier, um, uh, from 2016 in October, when I left um, the program and I came down to Florida, 
I didn't do anything. I, I didn't even, I fished from the base or Patrick. I was on base for about seven and a half months living on base. And then we bought a house downtown, down, uh, down in Melbourne. And um, so I would fish all the little areas and trying to learn saltwater fishing down here in Florida is totally different than anything up north. Oh, yeah, and 100%. For a long time to figure it out. That was just fishing from shoreline. Now I need to try to figure out, figure out how I'm going to fish from a kayak in Florida. So I found Heroes in the Water down there, down here, and got to know some of the guys. And many of them had transverse, transitioned out. But I started in 2018. Um, I started with actually the Treasure Coast, which is south of us in Vera Beach. I was going to a couple of their events when I couldn't go to the ones here in Melbourne on the Space Coast. And I met some pretty awesome folks down there. Um, Stan and Tammy uh, got picked uh, this year as one of the top volunteers for Heroes in the Water uh, nice. right here in the state of Florida. Um, and so um, I've been talking to them for about five and a half years now. They've, uh, they're great. They're, they're almost like family. Um, they do a great thing down there in Bureau Beach. They come up and help us out whenever we need time, need folks to help out. Um, but I did that for about a year and a half. And then Gunny, uh, unfortunately, he passed away about a year and a half ago. Um, he had a stroke. Uh, he was our chapter coordinator for about three years. And um, he talked me in. He's a sweet talker, man. Gunny, Gunny, you know, Gunny can get you to do about anything, right? Oh, and yeah. so he taught me into doing his media and doing his uh, Facebook and Eventbrite and getting that all squared away because he was having some issues technolo technology. And um, Bones, who is Daryl Benton, uh, he's a Vietnam veteran uh, ranger. He was a secretary and treasurer. Uh, those two guys are super amazing. They're the guys that really got me fired up to come back and do what I was doing. And uh, when Terry right before Terry passed away and uh, taking over the chapter coordinator. And I've been doing it for about two years now. And, uh, you know, he was retired and had a lot of time on his hands. Um, for me, I've got family and a job that work with DOD. And so it keeps me busy. And so I think the biggest thing I'm looking for right now for, for my organization is more people to come out and local locally and uh, try to be leaders within a community and help our veterans and first responders. Um, that's my biggest push that I have right now. I would love to have money and, and buy more stuff but to be honest with you to kind of what do we always say how do you eat an elephant right yeah that's you hit it you hit it hardcore right there man it's and i always tell people too it's you know running running these organizations it's it's almost a full-time job in itself you know um and, it, and what's really really you know difficult and i tell people all the time is volunteers um, and having people that have the same passion, right? Because, um, you know, I think that you're fully invested in the heroes on the water and what you do and the people that you serve because of the people that um, set the path before you, right? And the people that, you know, had an opportunity to make an impact on you and you saw the, you know, the benefits of it. Um, and I think for me, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I've seen a few people already, you know, die in my short time being in the military and, um, and then, you know, just some of the things that, uh, you know, a lot of these first responders, you know, go through too. you know, could you imagine a firefighter, like having to respond to like a, you know, a horrific call, um, and they have like that PTSD and, um, depression, you know, because of the things that they've seen. Um, and, you know, and for me, I think the biggest thing is, is it's really hard nowadays to find people that, uh, share the same passion, 
And so um, I'm right there with you, dude. I, I think that volunteers, man, are just they're they're hard to come by. But when you do, you just really got to hold on to them, you know, and really got to value them and, and take care of them, especially with uh, the work that we're doing. I think any volunteer group, you have to you. it's like in the military. If you don't take care of your enlisted, you know, people are actually moving the sandbags and, 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 you know, being in a freaking patrol vehicle or on their feet, garden airplanes to garden the fences, you know, at an industry control point, whatever. If you're not taking care of those people, right. You're in trouble. Oh, yeah. you're, you're seriously going to be in trouble. And I think that's the same thing you have to do with your volunteers. You have to, you have to seek out ways not just encouraging them to come back each time, but once they, once you do have them is rewarding them, um, rewarding them in a way that's appropriate for them. Cause many of our volunteers are very, they're very personable people, but they're very private people. And they don't, they, they don't, Matter of fact, the hardest, I would tell you, I've talked to many volunteers and they said the hardest thing for them is when a veteran opens up to them. And what do you say? I said, you don't say anything. You shake your head. You say, uh-huh. And you keep that to yourself because it's almost like confidentiality. It's like they're going to say stuff to you that you never imagined. And I, I to this day, I still remember being on Lake Delaware uh yeah, Lake Delaware outside of Picatinny Arsenal. It's a it's a little lake in the back area of the base. And then we took these guys, these veterans came in from Orange, uh, for, uh, New Jersey. They were part of the VA there at Lions VA. And uh, that was my first midweek event. We were doing uh, – every two weeks we would do a Wednesday event, and they would bring the veterans um, from the Lions VA out there. And they put them on the kayak and everything, and this is my first time doing one uh, I just got my brand new Super Outback, and later that day I got a big old cracked windshield. It cost me like a thousand bucks to replace. Uh, but oh, you know what? I didn't think about that. I thought about that individual who I took. I won't say his name um, because I know the this guy suffered extreme PTS. I could tell it. I mean, being a cop, you you're able to pretty much understand people a little bit before you even have one word with them. You could pretty much tell their composure, their behavior, you know, kind of how they're feeling that day. You could pretty much notice that right off the bat. This guy, you know, he, he was really tense. Um, and he was a Navy and an army vet. Uh, he ended up uh, getting involved in drugs and alcohol. Uh, he got in a bunch of trouble. And so after he got out of being in trouble, whether it's incarceration or not, uh, he found the VA. The VA was helping him trying to get back on his feet. And we talked. You know, I, I attached a rope to my kayak and attached to his. And I said, hey, man, just put the paddle down, strap it back down there, and I'll, I'll take you around. And and so I pulled him around the lake for, I don't know, like five and a half hours. And uh, he caught probably, I think, maybe like 10 or 11 fish. And um, Cyrus, it was a it was an awing moment because I turned around and looked at this guy and I said, "Hey, I said, uh, what's up?" And he's crying, you know. He's like, "I said, is this something I said?" And it was kind of like you know the clouds parting kind of thing. And he says, "No, nah, man." He said, "This is the most peaceful I've been in over twenty years." 
Dang. You want to talk about hook, line, and sinker. I'm like, <laughs> this is exactly what I've been looking for. I've been with the group for, at that point, about three years, and I hadn't experienced that. I mean, as a participant, you know how you feel about being on the water. But now all of a sudden, now you, you turn the tides, and now you're that person taking someone by the hand. I think there's a there's a cartoon out there. There's a couple different poems out there, too, and they talk about the people, the guy at the bottom of the, at the pit. And you have these different ranks, and I, I don't give a crap about the ranks. I'm you could be an A1C or E3 or E4. I don't give a crap if you're O4 or whatever. If you're not helping that person out, you're nothing but a, a body and, and, and breathing air and taking up space. You know, for me, mm-hmm. what I felt was like I was that person helping someone out of that box hole, that hole that they just cannot get themselves out of. And I honestly, you know, um, about two years ago. Uh, two years before that, um, I was in a very dark place. Uh, I, I did three tours in Iraq, 04, 05, and 06. I was in a combat security forces group out of Moody, 820th, and uh, got to see some very interesting things. On my last deployment, I was training Iraqi police in uh, Baghdad. And, you know, many of our police stations were the dumping ground for bodies. And so I was having some moments there and it was really dark dark times for me and uh the end of the probably the most interesting thing about two years before that my dad had just told me he dies was finally diagnosed with ptsd from vietnam and we're just having a conversation and you know this is right before my first combat tour to iraq and you know i, I didn't know what to think of it you know he'd opened up me the first time in 30 some years and told me a few little things um, then all of a sudden, bam, here I'm in Iraq. I do, do, like I said, I did three tours and I met my wife in between my, um, my second and my third deployment or before I apologize uh, before my second deployment. And then we got married, uh, shortly after I got back and then, um, I deployed again in Iraq in 2006 and then did our anniversary, first anniversary while I was deployed. Um, and, um, October, uh, about seven days, what is it, about eight days later, um, we lost one of our guys. And uh, he was uh, shot by a bad dead sniper and um, was killed instantly. And that right there, I never had lost anybody to anything like that in 20 in, in some years. And so uh, that day, and he was a Virginia boy too, so we got kind of got along really well. Um, different cultures. You know, he was a black guy, I was a white guy, but honestly didn't matter. Uh, we were just, you know, two, two Virginia boys, you know, doing our, our, doing our job, doing our duty for the, for our country. And, um, he was the only loss we had. We had a couple of injuries, but he was the only person we lost. And from that day on, it just really, until about the last five years, it's been really, really tough. And my wife helped me through a lot of that stuff. So her sending me the heroes in the water, was probably the first step in that way to kind of get in the green kind of thing. Um, That's freaking awesome. And with, with, with heroes in the water, how many, um, how many trips do you do? Like, are you, you do like uh, whenever you can or like one, one one a month or one a month right now. Uh, We, you kind of said something earlier about not having a lot of kayaks. I would be honest with you. Start small, stay small. Um, Of course. (laughs) New Jersey, but, 
we have people coming from all over the state to come to our events. Um, we've got eight chapters in the state of Florida. We've got three on the East Coast. We have, you guys have in Tampa, two, two in Sarasota and Tampa, and then Southwest, which is down to uh, Fort Myers, uh, which is, they've been having a hard time. You talked about your group. Uh, I know the Sarasota chapter, and they're, as soon as they got started back up, one of their guys got hit by a car, and they're oh, Jesus. trying to get, get moving forward. Uh, well, they had they had the hurricane that hit them last year, oh, or yeah. the year before last thing. It destroyed it destroyed the most some of the most beautiful fishing areas and snook and and trout. Uh, they did destroyed them, um, but uh, they're coming back. Um, they're they're trying to get back on their feet. Uh, then you have um, Destin, Florida, and Pensacola. So we have eight chapters right now. I would love to see them bring one back in in Orlando area um some beautiful areas out there to really we've been trying to get one started about two years now over there and just no one's really taking bite i think they had the va and like no no it'd be great for someone out there to really spearhead that and um and get that started and we'll, we'd love to help them out we've got plenty of people over here i i would guarantee any chapter in the state would love to help um out anybody uh, but yeah like we, we do one mom um we're trying to branch it out a little bit more, um, pull back in some other areas. Um, I, I did a lot of artwork and one of my projects in college for was uh, therapeutic artwork. I just came back from a retreat with a group called, uh, oh shoot, sorry, I'll get in a second. I can't remember right now. Or sometimes, oh, uh, yeah. but, um, you know, trying to pull in during the summertime because it's really hard for us to go kayak fishing in July and August. So we're Super looking at water events and maybe do some clinics this year, get some guys. Uh, I would tell you one of the things I want to learn is learn how to throw a cast net, a small, like maybe a six foot cast net so I can get a uh, bait, light bait, uh, because a lot of times it's, it's uh, kind of harder to, to fish with artificials. Uh, artificials is not the greatest thing, but even right now, live bait is the way to go. So if you know how to catch the live bait and, and then utilize that live bait, Man, it's it's money. It's money. Um, but anyway, you know, so we, we do pretty much every month almost now, except for July and August. Um, we did last year, which we're probably going to do it again. We're going to try to get maybe other chapters together this year and, and do like June time frame of like, hey, we're closing up for the season kind of thing. Because everybody up north takes the breaks for like four months because of, you know, Mother Nature. Uh, for us, Mother Nature down here is the opposite. It's a June, July, August time frame. Sometimes September, it's really, really tough to get out there on the water. Um, and it's not some of the avid guys that really get out there and do it. Uh, they'll fish all year round. But my concern is making sure the safety of our heroes when they get on the water. That you know, Even like this past weekend, we had to cancel because the weather was coming in. Um, we, we don't want to put anybody's life in jeopardy. Um, we actually have, you know, we, we, we look at the weather and, Probably most of the time we will cancel the night before uh, we like Friday before events on Saturdays. Um, but uh, we, we actually downsized last year. We went from 12 kayaks to six. Um, we were losing a lot of our volunteers and, and it was getting to be a lot of heroes out there. And again, I told you about safety, um, getting a lot of heroes out there. And then all of a sudden you got like one guy for two or three uh, heroes. And that's just not, that's not feasible in some aspects. Uh, some of our volunteers may be, may be good at one, maybe max two. 
And so for, for them, you know, I don't, again, I go back to the volunteer. I don't want to hurt them and, and draw them away, but I also want to make sure the heroes are coming. And I always tell the guys, I said, come, you know, come sit down and bring a chair. You don't have to get on the water. Um, just come out and, and, and be with us and, and, and learn who we are and who you are and we'll talk and get through it. Um, I think he, he hit something and Grace hit something the other day. I would tell you our, you know, we talk about 22 a day. It's an average of 22 at that time, that snapshot in time. I think that number can increase. As oh, we ourselves yeah. away from these combat environments, I think that we, our community, our society sometimes, you know, go away from protecting our, our those warriors. And I think if our biggest ones that are at risk are those, and, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, you already know this too, and most veterans know this, the people who are most susceptible to suicide are those people who got kicked out of the military, who didn't meet their time frame to be able to get their schooling, which has changed over the last couple of years. You could be through boot camp, and as long as you got through a certain part, guess what? You can get GI Bill, that kind of stuff. I, I believe that the majority of those people who are susceptible to suicide are the, the most. I'm not saying they're the only ones. I'm saying the most or those guys that kicked out, kicked out of the military and uh, or finished their first stint and regret leaving. Um, oh, yeah, 100%. I believe that's our biggest one. And that's I, – I tell people I'm not prejudiced. I say I don't care if you're Marine and eating crayons. I don't care if you're Army <laughs> and you like to make uh, mud cakes. I don't care if you're Navy and you eat seafood cakes. You know, you know, people pick on the Air Force all the time. Whatever, it doesn't matter. You know what? I'll say the Air Force is pretty sick, dude. The Tac Bs, JTACs, PJs. People don't people don't realize who those people are. Um, yeah. And I'm utmost respect you for those dudes. You start picking on us, man. We're gonna we're gonna fight back. We're gonna yeah. fight back. You start messing with one of us, and I, we don't care what uniform you wear. Uh, and I think uh, there's a lot of great nonprofits out there that are doing their best to make themselves known known to those communities, uh, to those veterans. Um, we have a, you guys have a, the, the, uh, Florida VA out there with you in, in the Tampa area. We have like Nona in Orlando and we have, um, we have the Vieira clinic and the Vieira clinic actually, uh, for me, uh, my dad grew, I grew up with my dad going to the VA hospitals in Virginia in in West Virginia. And, uh, if you've ever seen Jacob's ladder, that's what I thought about. That's okay, every time yeah. I heard VA that every time I saw a VA, that's what I thought about. And I got out of the military. I was getting ready to get out of the military in 2013. I went to Philadelphia. And every time I would leave that place, I'd sit in my car and I would just freaking ball. I'm like, why are these veterans, homeless veterans, sitting in this foyer, this lobby, and no one's taking care of them? And um, I said, well, I got to do something. And, you know, shortly after that, my wife introduced me to the Heroes in the Water. I was like, you know, this is, this is disturbing that the people who defend your rights – to, to say what you say about anybody in our government. And yeah. Anybody. You don't care about the people who are defending you. And you're yeah. sort of throwing them under a bus. Shout out, shout out to wives though, man. Uh, a lot of the people that have came out with us with rack fishing um, found out about us through their wives um, and their wives made them, you know, like you said, come out. Um, I can't tell you how many people in the past, like <laughs> five, six months, you know, we probably had eight, nine, about nine guys who their wives made them come out kayak fishing with us. Um, 
and all because you know their wife's like oh hey i saw this thing on facebook uh you know you should really go do it and you know um there's this there's this one guy you know, i don't want to like get too much into detail about it um it's pretty sensitive and it's still kind of ongoing um air force guy uh combat i think he's a combat controller or something like that uh soft oh, yeah. and uh he you know did some stuff he's not proud of you know and it's kind of suffered from it on the back end um some of his deployments over in syria region um you know and and his wife reached out to us and she was like hey you know husband's going through a a really tough time um and he's one of those people who are very like uh reserved you know just you get out there and he's just very like very much to himself right um and it's one of those things man it's just you know maybe kayak fishing might not help everybody right and you know for the longest time i've always said oh this is the best thing in the world you know and um you know she she messaged me after the the event and uh she was like hey i haven't you know i haven't seen my husband smile like this and you know a long time and that really hit a feel-good spot in my heart you know what i mean because it knew that we were doing the right thing um and it knew that you know i knew that we were on the right track right like when you are able to give somebody a little bit of hope and happiness right like um you want to keep doing that and then a couple months pass and you know it's it's one of those things where I, this is why i feel like crap sometimes for running a nonprofit because i'm not able to help those people continuously you know um, I'm always extending invites like, hey, come back out or hey, you know, you should get a kayak and, and join us. Right. Um, but it's one of those things, too. It's, you know, people still go through stuff, you know. And so I'm working with this lady now and um, she this is this is the wife of the the guy I'm talking about right now, the yeah. wife that made her go out. And, um, you know, she she's a great asset, dude. And, you know, wives and like military wives in general are some of the toughest wives in the whole world. Um, and you know, she, uh, after everything that she's endured and still enduring and going through and, you know, and, and some of this stuff is like unbelievable, you know, and I'm not going to share her story cause I'm, you know, like you said, you keep it close and near and dear to your heart. Um, and it's one of those things where I'll, I'll never share, you know, the stuff that he did. I can, you know, share what, he, what his job was and where he was, but I'm not going to share what he went through. I right. know, but, um, you know, for, for somebody like him to go through what he went through and what he did and what he's not proud of. And for, you know, a wife like her to still be there through everything and be like super supportive of his actions and, you know, his life now, um, she is an advocate dude for veterans. Like she's, you know, when, when my wife was in labor and not in labor, but my wife, uh, she, my wife had, a um, uh, a, a pre, we, we had a premature baby and she was born at 34 weeks. And, um, you know, she had a high-risk pregnancy, and my wife was going through a lot of complications. Um, this lady, dude, like, literally was like, hey, um, I'm getting with my local military family community, and, you know, we want to we wanna gift you guys um, some gifts, right? Like, we want to take care of you. I appreciate everything you did for my husband, and then I just want to return the favor in some sort, right? Uh, yeah. so we're, we're at the hospital and she's like, Hey, I just got to the hospital. Like, you know, can I come up? I'm like, of course, dude, this lady brought up like three carts full of like gifts from, you know, this lady sewed us a blanket with our daughter's name on it. And, you know, this other lady like made us homemade, uh, like chocolate and like, you know, candies and, you know, treats and stuff like that. Another person, uh, gave Janelle like a bunch of, uh, like coloring books with like doodle pads and, you know, it's just, 
socks, clothes, baby gifts. You know what I mean? Like the whole the whole thing, candles. Like yeah. we we had so much stuff, dude. And it was like during Christmas, this all happened. And I was like, man, like we literally just had Christmas. Like that's what that was. <laughs> and you know, and it's just so awesome, dude. The people that you meet through not only just kayak fishing, but through what we do and how many people appreciate you know what we offer and uh it really it you know it fills my heart every day that you know there's good people out there and it sucks that we're not able to help everybody continuously but you know with the backing of the community that we have and the, the people that are such advocates for veterans um there's and she sent me a list i'm gonna share it with you um and so you have it too um but I told Gene yesterday, or not Gene, I told uh, Dennis yesterday um, about the list. I'm going to share it with him. But, you know, it's my goal to share this list with everybody because this this lady, dude, she put this list together, her own doing. And, you know, she put everything on there. She vetted all the organizations. She's vetted all the, you know, the, the, the opportunities to go to rehab and to therapy and stuff like that. Um, and it's available. And, you know, and, and it's sad because not many people – when they get out and they hit these super low spots, not many people know about Gene with Heroes on the Water or Cyrus with the Rack Fishing Association, you know, and, and so a lot of these people are stuck in dark spots, but they don't know how to get out. And, you know, it's just awareness, you know what I mean? Like awareness of the opportunities that are available towards you or for you, you know, and that's the biggest, the biggest part is being aware and, and being like I told uh, Dennis yesterday, man, vulnerability. Um being vulnerable is the biggest thing ever, especially being military or a first responder, you know, opening right. up and being vulnerable is the biggest, uh, I think, barrier for a lot of people. It's tough. You know, I want to touch on something because you mentioned something about uh, this several times, you know, and then, you know, I think we have this over overemphasis sometimes about, let me just find something to do. No, find things to do. Um you know, try. I, we've got this lady, Millie, who's in our group. Um, I know another lady by Jennifer, um, Army and Air Force vet, and and they're both not able to be employed. So, you know, we we call them professional uh, veterans organization event people, right? Whatever you want to call. Um, be mindful that they're going through something that only they know about. So they go to every event. Millie's the first one to sign up in almost every one of our events. She uh, she is one of our dedicated veterans that comes out. And uh, from time to time, she'll if there's a young female or whatever comes out, uh, we hook her up with her and then she takes her out. Well, about a month and a half ago, um, I got her on an event. She went down to Feldsmere. She fished for the day. It rained almost the whole day, kind of like this past weekend. Um but she ended up catching some beautiful largemouth bass out, out of Felsmere, out of, out of Felsmere grade and, and a stick marsh or whatever. And, uh, you know, it's it's not just doing heroes and ore. It's going out and doing other things. It's not just about kayak fishing. It's about finding something else that makes you happy. Um, one of the problems we have is cognitive. We get so focused on something in the military. The problem is we get focused a lot of times on the bad shit that happened to us. And you need to find that thing that's going to stop that for hopefully an hour or two, maybe a day or two, maybe a week or two. And then you've got to find something else to occupy your time. And then what we're trying to do, uh, like I said, stated earlier, when I was going to college, one of the things I got really 
really enjoyed, and I did this past weekend, two weekends ago, with the retreat, the veterans retreat I went to was art. You know, getting out. Uh, well, I'm not an artist. Who gives a <laughs> shit? Right. Go and do whatever they're telling you to do. And at the end of that, guess what? You might find that that's something that it doesn't matter that it's pretty. You're not selling for a hundred thousand dollars. You know what you're doing? You're selling your life for extra time on this earth and, and being with other people. And I think finding groups where you said it a, a little while ago about like-minded people, not just about like-minded people like you and I running an organization or, you know, uh, guys that are actually participating or volunteering. So it's about everything. You, you got to find a balance between what we're doing because if not, we drive ourselves crazy. And many of our volunteers in these organizations, they get so big. Uh, like Wounded Warrior Project and even Heroes in the Water, um, uh, Carry the Load. Uh, there are some great ones down in Fort Pierce and that area. Navy SEALs guys doing some really cool stuff down there. Um, but if you're not managing what you're doing, you potentially put yourself in in the statistic realm where you you potentially putting yourself in harm. And you're doing way more than they, than you can really give out. Well, I'm just, I want to keep giving 105%. That 105% is horse shit. Give me me 100% of what you can give me right now. And that's all I really cared about for my troops. I never told them, give me 105. Give me what you can give me right now. Um, And uh, that's all I ask for people to do. That's what I ask my kids to do. That's what I ask my wife to do. I ask my friends to do. I ask my coworkers to do. Give me, just do what you can do today. If if you're sending in 100% all the time, Sooner or later, things are going to start falling apart. Cracks are going to come around. You know, bad shit's going to start happening. You're going to wonder why. Well, did you not think about just taking a moment and just step back and and maybe find something else to do for a little while? Um, you know, my wife, my wife for a year is like, no, no, you got to give up something else. You can't be the chapter corner. You get, you got to give up something else. And I didn't. I actually put more on. And what mm-hmm. I mean, I started to become, I became a VFW member. Um, I found like-minded people, you know, doing another way of providing for our veteran community. You know, we, our VFW works very closely with the American Legion. And um, I know there's AMBETS out there. We don't have one that's really big in this area, but getting out and doing those organizations. I've been a trustee. I was a chaplain for two years for the organization. Um, I found myself uh, about two and a half years ago, getting in civil air patrol with my son. I was just a, parent just taking up space in the in the building uh, for the first year and then they were like hey we would like you and it's like oh shit hook line and sinker here we go again and does your does your chaplain thing have anything like is that is that what you did you know in your previous you know career or life like did you ever have like a calling you know or like a you know being a, a pastor or absolutely not i would say what called me and what even got me even more with heroes in the water is um, I saw too many people committing suicide. I saw too many people ending their career because they were doing stupid stuff. And why were they doing stupid stuff? Because they were never taught resiliency. Yep. They were never taught yeah. looking at the different, you guys have yours in the army. I think you guys have six pillars. I think we have five pillars. And you're looking at like physical, mental. You're looking at the emotional side of the house. You're looking at all this social stuff. I think social is probably the biggest crock of shit when it comes to us, because what do we do? We allow society to move us in a direction that we shouldn't be going. We allow ourselves to go out and do stupid stuff on Friday and Saturday night. 
And then shore patrol or security police, military police have to come pick your dumb ass up or a first sergeant because you don't know how to cope with stuff. And I, I think the, the greatest move we ever made was towards resiliency and teaching it. The problem I had was why are we providing resiliency? Why are we not providing them tools to kind of acclimate to this, this stressful, uh, very combative world? Why are we not teaching them? things on how to cope with that while it's going on. I think the biggest thing that with law enforcement and first responders is they've, they've tried to help them in that. Uh, they also have a stigmatism. We talk about a stigmatism in the military. I'm going to tell you right now, I know way too many law enforcement officers that commit suicide because they don't want to lose their gun. They don't want to lose their career, but something happens and they're like, they don't have, they did not for the longest time. We have, we have programs. We have a, a chaplain service. They have chaplain services, but their chaplain is like maybe one for like 2000 officers. That's oh, yeah. crazy. It's tough. It's tough. We, we have one for probably every thousand, you know? And when, when you talk about chaplain service, I'm not getting to the spiritual side, even though I'm a Christian. I, I always try to find a way to spin in there, but I'm, that's not my job tonight. My job is. <laughs> no, to, you're you know, okay, dude. I'm right there with you, man. I support it. Uh, because some people really take it too far, or take offense to it. So for yeah, me, okay. you have to find that spirituality, whether it's Christianity or something that's allowing you to look at a bigger part of life. Whether you, you like to look at mushrooms and imagine them being your best friend. Okay, well, that's fine, too. But the reality is, is when we all get together, we kind of look at these things and like, how can I make myself a better person? And I think that was the greatest thing. We moved to resiliency. But the problem is, is we... Why are we not fixing these guys now? Why don't we give them tools? And I think being involved, I think active duty has gone better in, in wellness and, and, you know, maybe having down days for safety and, and wellness. I think the, my, my agency as a part of DOD, they're doing a wellness day next week uh, on, on the 29th of league day on the 29th of February. So I think having more of those and having more of the opportunities to kind of like get out and know more about people. I think that lots of people really open up. Um, yeah, it's amazing when a guy's never met you before in his entire life, and within three hours, he's you know he's expressing himself in a way that that's how he needs to express himself at that moment. And I, I'm telling you, man, that that's that's super amazing. Um, and I've had that happen most multiple times. Um, you know, if it gets to the point where I'm talking about religion, I'll talk to them about, you know, I'll talk about the Bible, but most times guys aren't, they're not at that moment where they're ready to talk about that. They just want to talk about what's bottom in that moment. And can you help me find an out? I, I, I will not be able to answer anybody and everybody's, uh, route, route, their pathway or whatever. Um, but I can give you some ideas. I know a guy, I know a chaplain. I know, I know somebody over here. I know a Marine who has dealt with this and I'll, I'll point them in the right direction. I think that's the biggest thing when you talk about the networks is that there are so many people out there ready to help you. You just need to find the time and say, listen, I'm ready to reach out to somebody before it's too late. Um, and if they do that, I think they find themselves in a, in a better life, you know, and then and they find themselves being able to not just survive, but thrive. Um, Events like Heroes in the Water, rack fishing, um, you know, there's multiple other ones here in the state of Florida. I think we've got a great opportunity to not just use the water as a kite fishing, but um, there's a group here, uh, Paddling Paradise down in Palm Bay. Um, last year, my daughter and I went to it for veterans and their families. Uh, L3 Harris put on the event. 
I met some really cool, awesome people. Uh, at the end of the day, my daughter ended up getting awarded um, a blow up one of those really beautiful uh, pond, uh, paddle boards. And um, so they they do some opportunities there. She got that and it was like amazing. Um, and then I found out, oh, well, there's a women's group that comes out here for veterans every month. And they that's go cool. all through the sanctuary. So it doesn't always have to be about kite fishing. They be something else. And that's why I tell people, mix it up. Do something different. Find something something to fill the gap or the void when you're not able to. Like I said, we do one a month. You know, um, I'm not telling you guys got a guy out there. Um, darn, I can't remember his name right now. He's in Tampa and he's come to several uh, a blame. He's come to several of our events out here in the East Coast. Uh, I would say probably at least four. Um, and I actually attended uh, tournaments. Um, darn, I can't remember the veterans group out there. They, they did a really big one. We went on some boats last year. He was there. Um, and then you start networking with like uh, other events. Uh, let me let me go back and I want to say something. But you said something about uh, awareness. I would say don't. I heard what you were telling the graves. Don't worry about what the event is. It could be a crocheting event. I don't care. Put your face out there. Put your table up. Put your banner up. Put your tent up. Have pamphlets. Whatever it might be. Because guess who's doing quilts? Right. Mom, yeah. Aunts, sisters. You said it a minute ago. And I think the biggest people that are underprivileged beyond veterans are caregivers. And uh, I think if you get your awareness out there, you're going to find that you're going to get money where you need it to support your group. You're going to find other opportunities. Hey, did you ever know about this group? Did you know about that group? Did you know that there's a VSO in that group who just got like five of the last six guys 100%? It's not 100% that you're going to get 100%, but guess what? This guy got five out of six. Hey, and maybe you need to talk to that individual. Um, hey, if you're moving to Florida, uh, where's the best place to live? Well, that's what we're all here for, network. I'm really interested in seeing this list that you're talking about. Um, I tried to help a gentleman out like a year ago. Uh, he was trying to do VET 411. He was trying to do the same thing she's doing, like get all these different organizations or veterans organizations and, and put them on the list. Uh, I have a friend of mine who is a cop. Uh, he's now doing realty in San, San Antonio, Texas. He knows almost every veterans organization, every veteran business in San in the greater San Antonio area. He could probably put you on any veteran thing you want. You want your house painted. You want your house. You want your yard cleaned. You want your car detailed. You want construction. You want anything that that's what it's all about. It's networking, getting the word out about other things that you may need in your life or maybe other groups it might help you all uh, hell i know i know a group that took four veterans out west uh to out in your neck of the woods to go hunting two years ago oh that's super cool i got a bull uh a, a mule deer first time out hunting ever in his entire life you know it's amazing how you get out and you you find these people that are really not just Veteran supporters, they are freaking true blood Americans, and they're, they don't do anything to protect our nation, just like we did when we were in, in uniform. And I, I, I congratulate you for doing rack fishing. Was I found out there was a group over in the uh, a kayak um, kayak store, and that's how I found out about you. And he's, oh, you want to talk to Blaine? You need to talk to Cyrus. All right. Here's <laughs> oh, it's just, it's just Army dude. It's like, oh, all right. All right. And then it's, I tried to reach you, and he was like, Oh shoot! You told me. I think I think it was like the first time I mentioned. Usually, 
oh, dude, I'm, I'm not in Florida right now. I was just down there, and I'm back in Colorado. I'm like, what? I was, yeah, I'm still active duty. I'm like, oh, my God. And you're running a nonprofit from, what, nine, ten states away? Yeah, I do. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, there's a lot of people in your area down there in Tampa that if you ever needed help, I guarantee you, you've got a huge resource down there. Um, you got a big, great community um, to, to help veterans. And I, think, I, I really appreciate what you do. No, it's the hardest thing to do, too, because, you know, obviously being in uh, being in Colorado, I organize all the events. I put everything together. I make sure everything runs smoothly. I do, like, all, like, the uh, – um, you know, kind of like pre-checks and, you know, make sure everything's like adding up, make sure that we're not missing anything, safety, all everything's good. I get all the uh, the veterans and first responders signed up. I get them paired with their uh, guides, you know, or, or, you know, people who's going to volunteer for the day. Um, and then I just have like one person, you know, that I entrust, whatever, um, go out there and kind of host it, you know, and, and we usually, um, and, I, and I need to do a way better job at this, but um you know, like rewarding with not rewarding, but you know, uh, a letter, not even a letter of appreciation, but maybe like a gift card. Or I'm working on some challenge coins right now through for rack fishing. Um, sure. And maybe, you know, do like a challenge coin or, you know, like a $50 gift card or, you know, maybe a hat and a shirt or, you know, something that's like simple for volunteers. Cause man, I appreciate our volunteers so much, dude. And, um, and it's tough, you know, because sometimes when you're not a major nonprofit with a lot of funding, it's tough to try to, uh, you know, get funding. And um, rack fishing right now, we have our trailer. We have a, a trailer. I'm trying to get it wrapped by the end of this year, um, sooner than later. And then we have, you know, a handful of kayaks. But right now we we try to keep it simple, man. We try to do like five kayaks, like five volunteers and five, um, I guess, you know, heroes. Yep. Um and you would keep it five and five, usually uh, one, one, one volunteer per person um, and everything's, you know, provided, but it's just, you know, being like, I, like you said, being here in, you know, multiple States away, dude, it's, it's one of my biggest passions is, is helping people um, in my hometown, you know, of Tampa, Florida. And I do it here too in Colorado. I'll take people out. I don't ever um, try to like public publicize it, you know, as, Oh my God, we're a huge nonprofit here in Colorado. Um, this is more like just my own happiness. You know what I mean? Like yeah. getting people out with just me, you know, just, you know, just talking, getting to know people and just really offering them something, not even through like the nonprofit more just, Hey, you want to go fishing? You're a veteran. Let's go. Yeah. Um, and just getting out there. Cause I can't really operate in this state. I'm not, I'm not licensed, not licensed, but, uh, the nonprofit's not registered within, um, Colorado. So I can't really, can't really advertise it, you know, but I'm really quick to, um get people out like i just took out a uh um an o3 uh he's a navy was a navy pilot with a, a recon squadron um and he just got tasked with like a new role uh within like the uh, navy slash uh, space field um and i can't really go too much into that but it's pretty sure. cool with what's becoming yeah, yeah we have down <laughs> here all the time yeah our area down here melbourne so yeah and so it's, you know, it's super cool what he's doing. Um, a lot of like recon work and stuff like that. But he gave me a, a challenge coin the other day. And I was like, dude, like that's so sick. I taught him how to fly fish. Um, we went out. We I hooked up with two really good trout. And I was using barbless hooks. So they ended yeah. up getting out. I didn't didn't land them. Um, but he got to see it. And he got to be there and witness it. And, dude, he was he was hooked. He, he literally messaged me the next day. He's like, hey, I went out to the fly shop. And 
bought this huge like you know fly pack or whatever got like the vest so he can put his camera in the back and all his gear and everything and i'm like you know he just dropped like 600 bucks on everything <laughs> um, wow. yeah and you know what i mean it's just you know I, I saw that he was a veteran online he posted one of the fly fishing groups here in colorado and i just you know extended an invitation man that's all it takes you know just being vulnerable and extending an invitation teaching somebody something that's helped you overcome a lot of your battles and uh you know we had a great day man it was it was a little bit a little bit uh cold um but it warmed up to be a beautiful beautiful day and um it's always really cool when you're on the water and you run into local uh fly fishing guides um we we ran into this guy um steve or uh something friends i forget his, his first name but his last name was friends he's like yeah his friends fly fishing that's like his instagram name and uh, <laughs> i was like I was like, oh, y'all are just friends? He's like, no, this is my wife, but our last name's friends. And I was like, oh, oh okay. That makes that's sense. Awesome. <laughs> um, but he's cool. Yeah. Selling your business at the best, you know? Oh, 100%. And he's, he's, he's a local guide, man. But, you know, like you said earlier, um, I got off topic. I wanted to bring this up. It's just one of the things that, you know, I'm planning on doing, and I was going to tell you too, uh, I'll seen that I sent you the information already about the, yes, uh, on Facebook. I sent you the resource yeah. that, uh, that lady uh, had given me. Um, so you have that for your, your, you know, your, your personal keeping or however you want to use it. You can, you know, the more the merrier, if you could spread it to all your friends. Um, but also, you know, one of the other things that I was planning on doing with rack fishing that you might be interested in with uh, heroes on the water. I got this guy, I'll, I'll share his information with you later, but uh, a rod building class for a few veterans. Um, we, and and i think that's huge you know you teach somebody to come in and build a rod like that's pretty awesome so my I, the guy i was telling about earlier terry davis um he was a gunnery sergeant um he well, i already knew because i've been to his house several times but i didn't want to bother his family but he used to build rods fishing rods for fly fishing he was part of project healing waters that's a pretty good size organization as well nationwide it's kind of a little hard down here in Florida, but I, hey, I, I just saw a guy last year who was a veteran. He caught a 33, the day before the tournament, caught a 33-inch redfish over in Yankee Town. Oh, nice. On a fly fish. On oh, a fly geez. fish, sorry. Yeah. Um, but uh, actually, we go back to the cognitive aspects of it. That, you know, building a rod, it takes a lot of technical you know, paying attention and, and focusing and it takes your focus off of the stupid crap that's going on in your life. And you, you really focus on, man, I want to do that. I want to do this. I'm gonna, I want it that color. And then you start doing the round things. That, that's super, super amazing. That would be uh, something awesome to do. Yeah. I would love this point of contact. Maybe that's something we could do during the summertime. I know it's a little complicated because it takes, it takes several hours to days to do a rod, but just getting someone started and you, you're taking a couple of a couple hours every day to build something yeah. like that. Yeah. This guy said uh, about five, a five hour, five hour class. Um, he could build a, a oh, simple really? rod. Wow. Yeah. For, for somebody. And I think, uh, the price he gave me was, um, a hundred dollars, a hundred, a hundred dollars per person, um, is what he would do. Um, that's and that's bad. just at, at cost for himself. You know what I mean? Um, that's yeah. just, uh, to buy the blank and the components to go, you know, for it and, you know, like the eyes and stuff like that. You're saving um, like 400 bucks right there. Just, just building a simple. You know, you know what I mean? You know what um, I mean? Yeah. And it's, it's one of those, it's one of those things too. It's, uh, we had, uh, was it Chris, you know who Chris, Chris Jones is? Name sounds familiar. Um, he, 
he makes like soft plastics. He's a very well-renowned uh, YouTuber, uh, does like soft plastics. But we had an opportunity to uh, have him come and do like a, a poor soft plastic bait seminar um, yeah. at Osprey Outdoors. And not many people went, but it was really cool for the people who did go um, to be able to learn how to make soft plastics, you know. And, uh, and that's, you know, some of the ideas I'm trying to bring back around this year. Um, would be you know do the rod building class maybe for veterans day um have a few veterans do like a rod building class or like you said maybe sure. during like the, the hotter months and then uh you know do like maybe a bait pouring class like learning how to make baits or um, stuff like that um i think what you do with these type of events like that you're you're putting you're allowing that person to have value that they, they, they that people not just value, but you're doing something that's valuable. You're showing your worth that, that you can be part of that group again. And I think that's unfortunately where a lot of veterans might, you know, my dad suffered from PTSD from Vietnam, you know, of course at that time they didn't talk about it. Most of the, most of the, I would say World War II is probably my most interesting veterans, uh, but most of them can't get in and get out of kayak. I would say uh, beyond Korean, our Vietnam veterans, you know, I, I've been to the honor flight and I've watched these guys leave and guys and gals leave and they come back and you're like, you know that that's not how it was when they returned. Oh yeah. There was no ticker take parade. There was no parade for them. Nope. It, it was a parade, but it was like getting bombed, you know, bomb rushed by like rotten fruit and bottles and crap like that. Um, I, I think that was really what's amazing to see these guys turn around and actually be part of the community and, and say, you know what, I'm giving back to my, my veterans, my family. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Shout out to, shout out to those Vietnam veterans, dude, who are listening. We have a few in our group who listen, man. And you know, some They're of the people, ass, dude. yeah. And some of these dudes, yeah. man, I was talking to one of them uh, about six, seven months ago, earlier last year. And he was like, dude, he was a, a machine gunner in a UH-60, uh, and he was like a door gunner. Um, yep. And he said, dude, like when he got back, like when they got back, I think he was in like 69 or 70 or something like that. Um, but when 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 they got back uh, to the States, he said that it was like a tinted bus that they picked up and they took him back to the uh, to the to the airfield or to like the, um, the 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 bunker, or not the bunker, but the. Um, Oh, what the hell? The um, where they keep the damn planes at? The the uh, aircraft hangers. <laughs> yeah, sir. The hangers. Jesus, I don't know why I was. I work in one every day. Oh man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so they brought them back to the hangers, and they all just like dismissed them. Uh, hey, go back to your house or to your uh to your barracks and lay low. We'll hit you for like the next report time, right? And that's what that was, you know. And for them, it was. You know, they they dressed in plain clothes. He said when they got back, they got on the bus, they went back to the hangar, and then went back home, and that was it. There was no celebration, there was no nothing. And uh, yeah. the it's thing is, he's saying that that he got an opportunity to be in civilian clothes, but there was a lot of guys who were coming back, like coming through California and Washington State. You know, they're landing, going to Camp Pendleton, where they didn't go to an airbase, they went to LAX or whatever local airport. Oh, yeah. And they're coming back in their fatigues. You know, they didn't oh, have yeah. them. Their, their civilian clothes were left at home when they got on a plane to go over there. My dad was there for 13 months, and uh, he never had a mid-tour. You know, 
we complain about if we if we if we don't get our mid tour at the right time, <laughs> you know, come back to three or whatever, you know. Um, you know, most of those guys didn't have, and if they had R and R, it was like somewhere in in the middle in in, in the in the Southwest Asia, Southeast Asia, uh, I should say, like Japan or Guam or the Philippines. They they were they weren't going home, mm-hmm. and you know, you know, talking to many of the veterans I talked to from the from that era, um, you know, it was rough. You know, it's no no different to World War Two because they were there. Most of those guys were there for you know, one, two, three years, you know, and they, they never got to go home. Uh, Vietnam was no different. Uh, we just changed it up a little bit. Oh, well, you're going to do 13 months. You go back home for six months. You're back for 13 months again. And, you know, we kind of stopped that after 9-11 and, and a lot of military uh, because they were like, hey, we got to start rotating these guys through a little bit more. And, you know, guys that didn't have that opportunity like PJs and combat controllers and for you guys in the Army, you guys have the tackies and, you know, um, the military police for the army. Um, Jason Austin is our regional coordinator for, for heroes in the water. And, uh, he was an army MP and he got pretty messed up over in, in, in Iraq. And, you know, a lot of the rotations were constant. It, it, like there was almost no break. Uh, you go home, you reconstitute, guess what? You're back out a month later, you're doing training, 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 training. And then you go do the mission again. And, you know, many of those missions got forward deployed. Like for us, we were supposed to go up north to Tikrit. And uh, uh, we get the, we get in the country. Well, actually, we got to Kuwait, and we were at Camp Buring. And we're like, oh, bye. Guys, guess what? Uh, we're on hold. How long? Uh, we don't know. Probably another week. Maybe another <laughs> Jesus. Week. We got stuck up in months. for like three weeks, and, and we had no clue what was going on. Uh, I would say it's some of the best training I ever got because we went out to a lot of fire ranges for the convoys and stuff like that. It was really super cool. And you actually got to shoot and see stuff drop, which was pretty awesome. Um, but then we're like, oh, by the way, we're going to go to uh, – we're going to Baghdad. What? Right. Like yeah, the right. We all thought we were going to go guard airplanes on the flight line and the perimeter fence and help the Army out, blow up crap and things like that. And they're like, nope, uh, we're going to do, we're, you know, all the MP, we're the only Air Force unit there. There was about 200 of us there uh, with uh, some special weapons guys out of El Paso, Texas for the National Guard, or Reservist. And then uh, every MP company that was there, there's probably like nine MP companies and one Air Force group, you know, with us. And uh, we all got trained. And they were like, oh, you guys are going to go train Iraqi police in Baghdad. And we're like, and <laughs> we started laughing like how that gonna happen we always saw the videos on like whatever back in the day myspace and and videos we're watching guys learning how to do jumping jacks we're like this is gonna be a joke you ever uh, watch e-bombs world <laughs> you ever you ever heard of e-bombs world is that the guys that were doing the um um the different videos the military videos I, well, there was military videos on there. Ebombs World was a uh, a forum. It was like an online forum for like uh, videos and like your earlier memes in the day. Um, but it was like R rated stuff too. You know, oh. like it was not afraid to show like you know Taliban women being beheaded or like stoned to death or like you know right. all types of like just gruesome yeah. stuff that they were doing. Right, and I here I am, freaking Russian dude. Jabbing a guy in the head with a with a knife, and I'm like, "What the hell, <laughs> dude?" I was like eight years old watching this shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, 
it was oh my goodness, no wonder we're so freaking demented yeah i was you know and, and this dude it's one of those <laughs> it's one of those things where i was like watching e-bombs world at like seven eight years old you know like myspace like rolled out when i was like six you know what i'm saying so it's just like um you know some of the stuff that it was just crazy dude you got any uh do you got any like um Ex sergeants or like uh, your your mass sergeant or senior mass sergeants who, when you first joined, who may have been like in the Vietnam era. Um, we do have we do have a, we did have a few actually we had a um, we had a canine handler. Um, he was a very very young man. Um, and it was right at the tail of the Vietnam, and he was in Korea, and uh, while he was there. Um, the guys were indulging in some uh, extracurricular activity while they were on duty. He was the only guy that didn't get fired. But he told me about that time. He said it was really bad because um, after the guys came back from Vietnam, they were having a hard time dealing with stress. And so what did they do? Uh, they drank more. They got into alcohol, more promiscuity, more than normal. You know, and it, and you're, you're catching guys like smoking pot on, on shift. And in the military, or at least for the Air Force, we work around nukes. They didn't tolerate that stuff, man. Your 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 career was over with. Oh yeah. Um, we had uh, we had a couple really really crusty like uh, E sixes uh, tech sergeants. It was like, how are you still in? You know, right? <laughs> how are you still making this or that? You know, and it's like, and you have these conversations with them. You're like, holy cows! I said, you told me more about that stuff than my dad ever did i, I think it's funny my brother he's uh he was a ce power pro in the air force and uh he yeah. you know only made it to like senior airman before he got out got out after like eight years because uh the ce um the ce field is a little uh complicated for promotion and so he took his test failed it by one point and then uh ended up coming back around and went to go retest like you know months later and uh failed to buy two points and um or no he he passed it but because of the the people that they were allowing in he made the cutoff by only or he didn't make the cutoff by two um yeah and you know what's funny is i've I've been in uh going on four years august this year will be four years in the army and after i get back to work you know i've been off for six months i should have already been a sergeant you know an e5 Um, yeah should have already went to the board did the whole thing. I, I didn't do that because my, my wife, but as soon as I get back, I'm, I'm going to go to the board, pick up Sergeant before four years. And then in the army, you just have to wait six months to become promotable or uh, yeah, to become eligible to take the board for uh, E6 to become, you know, promotable E6. Yeah. Um, so within, you know, five years, my brother's been in eight, you know, and successful career, uh, three deployments, like, you know, did the whole thing in the air force. Um, but I always give them shit, you know. I'm like, hey, you know, Air Force is a nice branch, but like, at the end of the day, I was like, they don't pay you guys, you know. And <laughs> I always try to give them crap, and uh, here I am, you know, hopefully gonna make six and six, right? And, yeah. Uh, and it's it's just funny, man. I always try to give them crap. Uh, other than that, though, when when's your guys' is uh, next? I know we we've been we've been chatting for a while now, man. I gotta run here soon, but I want to. Yeah, no, uh, time flies when you're having fun, dude. But I want to I want to get people the information. Um, when, when are you guys, how do they find you? When is your next outing? Um, you know, uh, how do they sign up? Like if people are on the space coast or people here in Tampa or wherever on Florida, if they want to get it out with 
heroes on the water space coast how do, how do they make that happen so the biggest thing i tell people is go to heroes on you're going to see a, uh, in the top, it says programs. You're going to go to volunteer-led uh, chapters, and you're going to find a chapter. Um, we have over 50 chapters in the States, in the United States. Uh, we used to have one in Australia, and I think we still have the one in, in the cool. UK. Um, because our allies have the same problems we do. Yeah. Um, but um, we're under, if you go to that, you're going to click on any of those chapters in the state of Florida. Click on the one in Melbourne. Um, and you'll see chapter page, Facebook page, and how to donate. Um, chapter pages, you'll see more information. Sometimes they post our stuff on there whenever we, whenever, whenever I get it to Jason, Jason will post it on the national page. Um, but the biggest way you can get us is Facebook. Um, if you go to uh, Heroes on the Water, H O R E O S, H E R O E S, everybody spells it different. Um, Heroes on the Water, and you'll go dash Space Coast, and you'll see our Facebook page. Uh, we do our uh, events through Eventbrite, so they can go to Facebook and see the date and where we're going to be at and get same information that goes in there, goes into Eventbrite. You're going to go in there, you're going to find the event, go to events, find the event, click on it, uh, find tickets. We have a URL there, take them to Eventbrite, and they'll uh, ask some questions uh, that are all private. They're all private. Uh, all that information will be maintained by me or the assistant chapter coordinator who's Army. Uh, we have a secretary. She's Air Force. And then we have our treasurer who is also Army. He's an Army vet. He's been the longest member of our chapter. Uh, he was here when it's the year right after it started in 2012. So he's been here since 2013. Oh, wow. years. Um, and then we do generally we'd like to have it every third Friday or third Saturday. Um, we don't do Sundays because we want people to still be able to go do the religious services or whatever, have to take a break. Um, also get prepared to go back to work the next day. Uh, Vero beach does theirs on mostly on Sundays. Um, not to shy away from that because they have a pretty good, damn good program down there. They do a lot of round Island. Uh, they got much beautiful water than we do. Uh, they got some good sized snook down there. Um, they get some redfish and trout um, up here. We get, uh, we get, Unfortunately, you get a lot of stupid catfish, but the sail cats are amazing, man. You, you can catch like eight to 12 pound sail cat, uh, cats in here and they'll take you for a sleigh ride. They're um, fighting, dude. They're one of oh, the yeah. strongest fish, I think. I one, that and a Jack Crevel. Oh, Jack Crevel, man. Oh my gosh. I caught my first one uh, like two years ago and it destroyed my bait, but it was <laughs> amazing. I caught it for like maybe five minutes because I kept getting tied up in some uh, pylons where uh, the boat launches were. Because uh, he kept going around it, but uh, anyway, yeah, like I said, we do ours every third Saturday. Generally speaking, uh, we go until June. We take July and August off. We're going to be doing. We're working with some local sponsors to do some uh, some things at like a community center. Uh, like I said earlier, we're going to try to do some clinics. I watched one down in uh, uh, a kayak store down in uh, Fort Pierce, no Stewart, a couple years ago. And I was like, that's what I want to do. Uh, they had uh, Bill Sikora come in, and he talked about how he sets up his gears. Uh, and he used, uh, he was a new canoe guy at the time, and he basically would run you through how to set up your kayak. I think if anybody's going to go out and get a kayak, is get with somebody, figure out what you want on you, and stay light. Um, stay light. Try to do a minimalist. You take too much crap out there, you flip over, you're losing $100, $200 worth of gear. Um uh, we have a lot of manatees in our area, so we're kind of concerned about the manatees. You scared the crap out of them. Guess what? You're getting you're getting a shower really quick, 
or you're going to get a really big bath. bath. Um, but anyway, um, we're, we'll start back up generally about September. We do a veterans float at the Veterans Memorial Center of Bavard County. Generally, we speak in every every Veterans Day in November. Um, we had to miss it last year because of medical issues with everybody. But other than that, we're doing um, we do events to raise funds, awareness, whatever. Uh, QR codes, all that stuff. I'll help people out. If they need help with that kind of stuff, get your name out there and get to publish. Get on, get a table, go out there and and just talk about what it is that you do and why you're doing it, and, and then get your people that experienced it and saw it and know how it works and get them to promote it and advocate for you uh, just as much as you do it yourself. Once you start finding someone with passion like that, man, it's it's on. Yeah, heck yeah, man. And I. I was- I just got an email from uh, uh, drawn by Chit Lance. He's a local artist. We're going to try to see if we can get him to come out and teach our guys how to, you know, to paint and maybe get their minds off the things that are going on with them. So he just messaged me while we're talking here. So yeah, check out that uh, page I sent you and uh, go through that and let me know if you have questions. I'll reach out to uh, the lady who sent it to me. I'll put her in contact with you in case you have any direct questions that she can maybe help with. Outstanding. Um, But other than that, man. I really appreciate you uh, getting me on here. I, I guarantee we could sit around, drink a couple beers, and have, a fire and have uh, talks all night long. So I really Dude, appreciate that. Awesome. We'll, uh, we'll have to get together. Here. We'll have to get uh, Space Coast together and uh, Rack Fisherman have to maybe have an event together one day. So, yep. Um, well, I'm coming your way here, hopefully in the next couple months for a couple of days for work. So let me know. Maybe I get to use my POV and, and bring my kayak over. I'll, I'll be around. We'll hit it up, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm down with it, man. Yeah. Well, I appreciate uh, everything that you do for our community, Gene, and uh, everything that you do uh, for our veterans and whatnot. And like I said, it's been awesome uh, chatting with you the past uh, hour and a half. And um, we, we've covered a lot, man. It's been a really good, really good conversation. And uh, we, we talked about a lot of stuff. So it's really important. So definitely uh, appreciate having you on, man. And uh, thanks for taking the time and, and talking with me, dude. Yes, sir. So, well, all right, we well, get to see each other pretty soon. You yeah. take care, take care of your baby and your and your wife, man. Yeah. All right, buddy. I'll see you.